Welcome back to the Brad and Rach. The kids are in bed. Oh, you're a little slow on that one today. sorry. (laughs) Podcast. So last podcast, we forgot to do our reoccurring segment. Oh, gosh, we're failing already. I know. It's like three podcasts in, actually four podcasts in, and we already forgot our reoccurring segment. We've literally only done it once. Okay. Out of four. (laughs) Let's do it again. Okay. Your song of the week this week. My song of the week. I knew this question was coming, so I prepared, and... There's kind of a funny backstory because this song I haven't listened to in probably eight years. It's somehow like embedded in my phone so that every time I get a new phone, it like automatically transfers. And now that we have this sweet minivan, my phone automatically connects to YouTube or via Bluetooth to YouTube. And then it starts playing whatever's in my phone, which... Mine is usually Hail Mary by Tupac. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect Toyota Sienna. I know. Well, until I deleted Chameleon Air. Uh, what is the song? Oh, uh, what is it? Um, Something about getting the paper. Oh, it's just like this gangster rap song would just blare every time I got in the minivan. I'm a chameleon. That not, one? No, it's not that one. Oh. Um, His other hit. Yeah, <laughs> the other one. <laughs> so I finally deleted that, and then this gym started coming up, and it is Third Planet by Modest Mouse. Ah, uh, that has some cuss words in it, doesn't it? It has the F word in it. Oh my mm-hmm. lord! It's explicit, but... Cover your ears, kids. Other than that, it's a really good song. You, you should listen to it, check it out, just be aware that it has the F word within like the first 30 seconds of the song. Yeah, it does. Shocker. What's your song? My song this week is actually Beneath Your Beautiful by uh, Labyrinth. Uh, it kind of reminds me of when we first started dating okay. in the coffee shop, mm-hmm. and we would send each other music via Spotify. Mm-hmm. So shout out to Spotify if you're listening on... Spotify? Yeah. That yeah. Was, that was a weird shout out. <laughs> shout out Spotify. <laughs> Anyway, yes, uh, love that song. It's a good song. I can't wait until they hear through the grapevine that Brad and Rach shouted them out on our podcast. Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did yeah. you did you send that song to me? Probably, um, or I mean, it just it comes up on my Pandora thumbprint radio mm. a lot. Mm-hmm. It just reminds me of when we first started dating. Yeah, those were fun times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. On with the regular scheduled podcast. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that really hits home and Rachel... Is super passionate about? Yes. Is neurotic about? Yes. Is there anything I'm not neurotic about? It's kind of the common theme lately. Um, Well, I mean, these are good topics to talk about, things that you're neurotic about, because we have lots to discuss. That's true. They're the things I've researched the most. And you're not the only one that's neurotic about this topic. Very true. Um, If we're talking about parenting as a whole, there's things that I feel like are much more important for the family and for the development of the kid than other things. So yeah, I guess there's there's some things I'm a lot less neurotic about. So perhaps nutrition is like number one. It's pretty high. And then this is probably your number two. Yes. What is it? Sleep. <gasps> Sleep. Sleep. You know what's funny? Um, <laughs> I researched more for the podcast about sleep than I <laughs> than I did for like our, when we had children. You didn't have to research it because I told you exactly. everything you needed yeah. to know. Yeah, that's true. 
I just kind of followed Rachel's lead. Mm-hmm. How many books? How many books on sleep did you purchase? I think it was like nine. Yeah, that, that might be uh, underestimating. It might be. I read a couple of them before the kids were born, and then I read slash listened to a couple after they were born and reread some. And I have a favorite. Yeah, uh, Precious Little Sleep's probably your favorite. For sure. Nailed it. Yep, Alexis Dubieff is the author. She's hilarious. So the book is like, if you're reading it at 4 o'clock in the morning when you're just like at your wit's end with not having slept in months, she's really funny and very truthful and raw and honest and, and also very intelligent about baby sleep. That's a very good quality from an author. Definitely. We'll be referencing Precious Little Sleep a lot in this podcast, so we're going to go ahead and leave a link below on where you can purchase it on Amazon. It's very reasonably priced, and it's also like a gift that I give new moms every single time because it's just so beneficial to to just not be like blindly muddling through your baby's wild sleep habits. Like, it's just nice to have a little bit of knowledge about why babies sleep the way they do and how you can help them. Yeah, it's, it's good to have a background about why it's so important. So speaking of that, why do you, why were you so neurotic about our children's sleep? Well, for one, we had twins. And so we had, in the middle of the night, twice the opportunity to, to be awoken, I guess. <laughs> and it's, you know, I would be lying if I said I didn't love my sleep. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of something that I was going to point out. It's lower on my priority list than my kids' development. And there's no question that the proper amount of sleep is crucial for a kid's development. So yeah, for sure. I mean, if you just go to like parents.com, it'll tell you sleep promotes growth. The body literally secretes, what is it, growth hormone. Yeah, hormone. growth hormone. Growth hormone. Hormones. When you're sleeping. So, like, if you go to the crib and you're like, man, my kid grew overnight. Well, actually, they, they did. They did. Um, it helps the heart. It actually affects your weight and your children's weight because many parents get it wrong. They think that their kids are hungry when their cues are actually, they're tired. Ooh. Isn't that interesting? Yes. Um, yeah, when the time, it, well, I mean, that could be for an infant and they could be overfeeding their infant, but also, like, I feel like a lot of toddler meltdowns are because they're tired. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Sleep also beats germs. Your body produces cytokines to fight infection, and that's why you're tired when you're sick. Nice. Reduces injury risk. I mean, you know how clumsy you get after you're tired. Sleep deprivation is worse than, like, for driving than being impaired by alcohol. So, yeah, I was reading about that today. It's like 24 hours of not sleeping is pretty much the same effect as being drunk when you're driving. Totally believe that. Obviously, sleep increases your attention span. So sleep deprivation and ADHD, their symptoms mirror each other. Sleep boasts learning as well. Uh, There's been multiple studies that have proven like if children nap during the day, they have a better memory. Interesting. I I do remember learning that when we were in optometry school because... They, I mean, I read that, like, if you study a whole lot of material, then sleeping right afterwards helps you retain that information. So that's better than pulling an all-nighter, I guess. So it's probably good to realize, like, what sleep needs. Like, how long does your kid need to sleep? So if they're less than two months, 
10 and a half to 18 hours. Man, that's a wide range. Three to 12 months, nine and a half to 14 hours. One to three years old is 12 to 14 hours. And this is total, by the way. And three to five years old is 11 to 13 hours. And that's kind of a generalization. That's, that's also, yeah, like Brad said, total. So that includes their night and their naps. And this is what really started getting me interested in sleep is like learning about the fact that they have like a normal range that they need for the whole day, but also that they're um, not just their sleep time, but their wake times change as they grow. And that's really where, where I started getting neurotic was like with wake times. Yeah. Like almost down to the minute. Pretty much. Like you were a little overboard. Well, it was also... <laughs> <laughs> it was also really interesting to me because learning your kid, I mean, it makes a big difference in, in bear. It did anyway. Oh, like 15, huge difference. 15 minutes either way would make a huge difference. He's such in, a happier kid now that he actually sleeps well. It's yes. It's unbelievable. It is. He's, He's a, a totally different totally kid. Totally different kid. And he was very sensitive to wake times. Lindell was not. So. It, you know, it that does bring up a great point. It is interesting how we have twins. We've done the same exact routine for both of them, and they couldn't be different sleepers. Yeah, and it's made me have to research this even more than I would have. You know, people that have a kid that's a good sleeper probably don't know much about sleep because they never had to research it. But that's a good point. Because we have a bear. I've had to do some extensive research on Isn't the Isn't that ironic that he's a bear, but he doesn't hibernate? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Do bears, when they're not hibernating, not sleep well? Maybe he's a bear that's not in hibernation. Yeah, right. Totally. Oh, gosh. Uh-huh. The first three or so months of the kid's oh, life. Oh, yeah, yeah. We didn't start for a while. You have no control over any of that. You're not going to have a bedtime. Like, it's all over the map. They will kind of settle into a bedtime, but it could be anywhere from 6 p.m. to like 1 or 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah, that would it's be... It's a free-for-all. That would be really horrible to have for your baby to have their nights and days mixed up. Sure. And so like how you kind of avoid that is you, you let them nap during the day in very bright conditions. Just let them nap in the noisy, bright environment of your house. And then at nighttime, everything stays dark, dim, and boring, including like feedings and diaper changes, dim as dim light as possible to get the job done. And that will help them get on their days and nights quicker. But really, so like newborns just kind of, they nap around the clock. They don't, for the first week or two or three, maybe even more, they don't really have a stretch of sleep necessarily. But eventually they settle into one chunk of sleep that's maybe from like four to six hours. And you, you know what's funny about you? What? <laughs> well, I feel like you're about to say something not funny, but maybe um, no, just ironic. How you're so into sleep, but yet like our sleep training, you like really struggled. Yeah, well, you like dragged your feet. You like waited as long as possible. Definitely. And I feel like people have the association with sleep training with cry it out. Exactly. It couldn't be further from the truth. Exactly. I, that's exactly what I was just gonna say. Sleep training gets like this bad rap. This this like stigma attached to it that you're just neglecting your baby and letting them cry for hours on end. That's just not the case. There's many, 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 many ways to sleep train and what works for one baby may not work for the next. So as in our case, really. Exactly. Lindell, we didn't even really have to sleep train. No, she's a unicorn. 
Yeah. So anyway, the first few weeks to a few months, I would say up to three months, don't worry about bedtimes. Don't worry about schedules. Don't worry about wake times. The baby's just going to sleep and nap when they want to. I'm excited. We're renting the snoo for this uh, for our next baby. Yeah, I'm curious to be, see how it works. Obviously, we'll we'll be vlogging it and reviewing it. So look, yeah, look that, forward to that. That brings me to um, like what will help during the first three months, which is swaddling. So yeah, some yeah. tools, some tools that will help get you longer stretches of sleep. Possibly are swaddling, white noise, um, those kinds of things. What about blackout shades? I don't know that it's totally necessary in, in that time frame. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe like during naps, once they get their days and nights figured out, then maybe blackout curtains will help keep them. If they do wake up, they're maybe just less distracted by their environment and will fall back asleep. And So even when they're an infant, do you worry about not putting them to bed, like not rocking them to bed or not feeding them to bed? I will not worry about that as much with the second baby. Mm-hmm. Until they're maybe three or four months old. With the twins, I was adamant from the get-go that I didn't want them to be fed or rocked to sleep. And that's just because, like, number one of sleep training is they need to know how to fall asleep independently. And I was, like, pretty gung-ho on that. <laughs> like, we had the rock and play, which has been recalled. We definitely won't be using that again. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had... We just literally never plugged it in, except Brad did one time out of desperation during Lindell's witching hour, did plug in the rock and play. It was a long six months. I was at my wit's end. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't six months. It was you, not even close. Wait, did I say six? I meant six weeks. Yes. Yes, six weeks. Yes. Yeah, but I didn't know that the thing was plugged in, and so <laughs> he, he, like, finally got Lindell to bed. Like, he would take the first shift, and I would take the second shift. And I went into the nursery to like at 3 a.m. or whatever to feed them and got Lendl, got Bear. I was setting them up for their tandem feed and I looked up and the the rock and play was rocking. And I, at this point, <laughs> I didn't even know. Yeah, I was so freaked out because I didn't even know we had the cord to it anywhere. And of course, you can't think of a logical explanation when it's 3 a.m. Of course not. I was foggy anyway. Mm-hmm. But what the explanation was, was that it was possessed. <laughs> you jumped right to possessed. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Uh, yeah, anyway, uh, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. And we're back. Okay, so let's say your infant is, what, three to six months? Yeah, somewhere in there. Um, things start becoming a little bit more routine. You can start predicting things a little easier. So, like, setting a good, a good bedtime routine, it's a solid choice to not put your baby, to not, like, rock your baby to sleep or feed your baby to sleep. Yes. At this point, so right around four months, it's the like the very well-known time frame for a sleep regression. And what happens at four months is the baby starts to develop what's called object permanence, which means when they fall asleep, well, it, what it means in general is that they start recognizing that something is there, like a block on the floor. If you put a blanket over it, they know the block is still there. That's kind of what object permanence is. Prior to four months, you put a block on the floor, cover it up, the baby thinks the block is gone. So silly, right? (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, that part of their brain starts becoming functional. And what that means for sleep is if you're nursing them to sleep and then you set them down dead asleep, as soon as they wake up, they're like, why am I not still nursing? Oh my gosh. Yes. Their environment when they fall asleep needs to be identical to what it is when they wake up 
or they won't be able to put themselves back to sleep. Hmm, that's good to know. Yeah, so that's why rocking and nursing to sleep become an issue around four months for most babies. Some babies, I think they can still, parents can still do that. That's like a caveat to every single thing that we're saying. Yes. It's like for most babies. Right. Some unicorn babies don't need any of this stuff. Lucky, Isn't that the truth? You lucky parents. I know it. Um, create a solid routine. For bedtime. For bedtime. Yeah. And nap. I mean, we have a nap routine as well. Yeah. Which isn't much different. No, it's pretty much the same. It's maybe just a little abbreviated. But yeah, walk us through like what our bedtime routine looks yeah, like. Yeah, so like setting the stage for bedtime, we go over to Alexa and we tell her to shuffle songs by Penny and Sparrow. Mm-hmm. Because they're like a melancholy, love-making <laughs> That's really song. weird. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's nice and slow. and Yeah, it's relaxing. It's not stimulating. It's, exactly. Yeah. And then we'll go, we'll turn on the bath. Yep. And we'll give them a bath. Yep. When they get out of the bath. Their bath we, used to be a lot more relaxing. Yeah. Now they kind of splash. Yeah, and they have a lot of fun. They, they enjoy have, it. They have a blast. And, I mean, they love when they get out of the bath and, like, run, run around, around naked. naked and... <laughs> Have a heyday. Yeah. Um, and then we lotion them up. Yep. Put on their diapers. Yep. And their pajamas. Mm-hmm. And they're drinking their milk. And then we stop the milk. We go brush their teeth. And then we say our goodnights because it's one-on-one coverage with us. Yep. Man-to-man defense. And then we go into their room and we read an actual book. So like a paper, a hard, you know, a hardback or a paper book. Right. Not like a tablet or a Kindle or something like that. Yeah, and that just kind of speaks to the whole backlit screen type things can mess up your production of melatonin. Really in the hour or two before bedtime, there's no screens. I mean, we don't really do a lot of screens anyway, but I would for sure cut out screen time. And that's, that. that's for kids and adults. I mean, oh, for sure. The body is super sensitive to blue light. And so that's like a big marker for your body to not produce melatonin. Melatonin, exactly. Which you need to fall asleep. So, yeah. We, so, yeah, we read them their book and then we finish the book. We say our prayer, put them in to their crib. In their sleep sacks. Those zip up. I feel like that's a big cue. Yeah, that's They love true. their sleep sacks. Yeah, they do. They, they used to be the swaddle. And then when we got rid of the swaddle, we switched to a sleep sack that just is basically their blanket. Yeah, exactly. But it's zipped up onto them so that they can't pull it off in the middle of the night. And then we turn it on their white noise and turn off the light and... Say goodnight. Get out of there. Yep. Say, I love you. I'll see you in the morning. That's right. So that's our bedtime routine at 18 months old. Earlier than that, it's very similar. Um, But one, one thing that's a little bit different is kind of like the whole... The baby needs the exact same environment when they wake up as when they go to sleep... They can have a really strong, uh, what they call a suck-to-sleep association where, like, if they're a pacifier user, if they wake up and all of a sudden their pacifier's not in their mouth and they're not capable of putting it back in their mouth, you're going to have to be reinserting that all night long. We actually got rid of, Bear was the only one that took a pacifier. We got rid of it right before he turned six months old because after that, it can get pretty hard. Their memory is a lot longer, so... Before six months old, they have a memory span of about two days, I think. I think is what I read. So, like, after two days, he forgot that the, 
the binky ever existed. Yeah, I don't feel like it was ever a big deal for him to give up the binky. It was a, there was a time when you would disagree because we were going in probably five or six times a night to put the binky back in. Yeah, I don't even remember that. No, it's foggy. Wow. Yeah, that's why we decided to get rid of it. Yeah. He was probably close to the point where he could just put it back in his mouth, though. Um, but along those same lines, some babies will have like a food to sleep association or milk to sleep. So in those cases, you want to separate, and I think in pretty much any kid under the age of one, you want to separate like their last drink of milk from bedtime by a, at least a half an hour. So milk would be the first step. I think what what's really what's really a common bedtime routine is boob or bottle, depending on if you're nursing or formula feeding in a bottle, um, bath, book, bed. So boob, bath, book, bed, or bottle, bath, book, bed. That's fun to say. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the how you get it separated. And it's kind of counterintuitive, too, because you think, I want them to eat as much as they can right before bed so that we get the longest stretch of sleep before they're hungry, but it works. And then I think, so as far as, like, night night wakings, every, I feel like every, like, pediatric association agrees that almost every infant after six months no longer requires a night feeding. In general, yeah, I think exactly. you're right. Yeah, yeah, generally speaking, you know, maybe if your baby is not developing normally or yeah, underweight, stuff like that. I think there's also like a certain weight that they go by too sometimes, but yeah, in general, over six months, unless, and like I nursed Bear at night until he was, I think I finally weaned him at like 10 or 11 months. He still had one night feeding that we were both mutually okay with. And then I finally was like, okay. He was huge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, our pediatrician literally told you at six months you don't need to feed him at night anymore. Exactly, but I was okay with it still. And I think he, it, and it was only once a night, and it it was working until it wasn't. And then how I weaned him was just like by reducing the time that he was nursing by a minute every other night or something until, and then the last few nights I just went in and rocked him instead of nursing him. And it went pretty smooth, like... That's that's the difference between sleep training by cry it out and sleep training by like swapping out what their sleep crutches with something different until they're able to teach themselves how to fall back asleep. Yeah, so is it like a method? What's the name of the method? Like yeah, so, Ferber or whatever? Yeah, Ferber is like uh, timed intervals of crying. Yeah. Um, so you just, you do let them cry a little bit, but just for certain, whatever interval you're comfortable with. And there, you know, we're not really here to get into the debate about whether it's ethical or not to let your kid cry. We're both kind of under the impression that a little bit of crying is okay. They're protesting something that they're not used to. And ultimately, the goal is to help them sleep better and more solid on their own. And we waited until we were at an an age where we were comfortable doing that. Definitely. And it's paid off. Totally. Totally. We have kids that sleep uh, 10 to 11 hours each night. Lindell, since she was about four months old. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely didn't happen overnight with Bear. I mean, do you have any, like, why? Why did it take him so long? I think Bear is overall a much more sensitive guy than Lindell. First of all, I think Lindell loves her sleep. Yeah, she does. She loves her crib. She loves her blankies she loves everything about her she loves it like she asks to take a nap today she kept pointing at her room saying night night (laughs) 
Um, it was like noon, and they go they go down for a nap at twelve thirty. So, uh, but Bear, he he's for one more snuggly, and like more cuddly, and like inner like physical touch, I guess, more than Lendl. Yeah, that's true. So he's also much more sensitive to teething and illness. And so anytime he was getting a new tooth or, or sick with anything, he let us know. I wonder if that's the difference between a man and a woman. <laughs> totally. I mean, that's totally been our experience so far. <laughs> just kidding. But seriously. Let's transition just a little bit. I was on a website today called thegoodbody.com and got a... A lot of interesting facts about sleep, like just even adult sleep. Only 21% of adults are getting the recommended seven to eight hours of sleep. That's really sad. That is sad. Parents of newborns lose six months worth of sleep in the first two years of their child's life. Holy cow. I know. Hey, check this out. The average person falls asleep in seven minutes. I'm way above average. And I'm way under. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you fell asleep in like 30 seconds. Yes. That's yeah. generous. Yeah, seriously. It's like once my head hits the pillow, I am in REM sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. He like is twitching and I can, he does that on a plane too. It could be anywhere. It doesn't have to be in a bed. I say, I think it was because I was trained in the army. Um, okay, so 1% to 3% of the population are short sleepers, which means that they can function normally on less than 6 hours. 1 in 3? 1 to 3%. Oh, yeah. 1 to 3%. Mm-hmm. Oh. You're not going to like this. Oh, boy. Each child in a mother's household increases the mom's risk of insufficient sleep by 46%. I believe it. Oh, I totally believe it. Uh, I like how they specified that it's the mother. Exactly, yeah, dad's. So it's funny. This is interesting. Having a newborn impacts men's sleep more than women. So women wake up more frequently, but overall, men have less sleep. I do not believe Isn't that. Isn't that interesting? I don't believe that Oh, I believe it. Definitely not. I believe Not that. in our situation. This is science. <laughs> this, these are studies. The, okay, here's the thing. <laughs> the whole fall asleep in less than seven minute thing is your trick. If you wake up with the kids at night, you get back in bed and fall asleep in, a, in 30 seconds. That's true. Me, if I get up, especially if I physically get up and tend to them and come back to bed, I have another half hour of trying to get myself to fall back asleep. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I I don't know. With- you know, so speaking of that, three-fourths of those who suffer from depression also suffer from a lack of sleep. Interesting. Yes. That is one thing my OB said when I was bringing all of this up was like, if you can get any more rest, if it's possible, then that will help with a lot of your issues. So along with, you know, you waking up to breastfeed. Mm-hmm. Studies show that mothers who breastfeed and co-sleep actually get more sleep than oh. mothers who just breastfeed. Interesting. Uh, yeah. You know, there's, I think, a lot to be said about co-sleeping if you do it safely. There's definitely safe and unsafe ways to co-sleep. And the, you know, the, the criteria for safe sleep environment is very explicit, a flat surface with nothing else on it, and then the baby on their back. Like... And you, you should research that if you're having a baby or if you have a baby yeah, currently. Nothing. Definitely research safe sleep environment and 
and don't stray from that. But I think there are safer ways. And it boils down to you basically sleeping on a bare mattress. I mean, I think it can have a fitted sheet on it, but that's it. With the baby on the floor. Like, that's the safe yeah, that's sleep. Tough. That's tough co- Co-sleeping. Co- yeah. yeah. So you have to wear PJs that are warm enough that you don't have covers on. And I would have maybe entertained that if we had not had twins first. I yeah. think co-sleeping with twins would have been oh, too scary yeah, for really me. Yeah, you can't do that. Mm-mm. Guess what's the optimal sleep temperature? So speaking of, like, not having a blanket and all that good stuff. 68. 60 to 67. Whoa! I know. It's cold. I was way off. (laughs) (laughs) You're one degree old. Um, Let's see. So NASA came out and said, this amount of sleep is the perfect amount for a nap. What's your guess? 15 minutes. 26. 26? 26 minutes. I like, like, a two-hour (laughs) <laughs> I like like an all day I like I just nap. not even get out of bed <laughs> so in REM sleep your brain is almost as active as when you're awake wow I know and in REM your brain sends out a chemical to paralyze you so you don't act out your dreams I remember learning that isn't that interesting mm-hmm. and then when People are suffering from depression. You dream up three to four times more than you normally would. Really? Yeah. Wow. Isn't I dream t- a lot anyway, so that's... Yeah, it's super interesting. I want to point out that the whole 26-minute nap thing does not apply to babies. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the ideal nap no, time for a baby. No, this was for adults. Yes. Yeah, so switching back to babies, those are really interesting facts. I but. know. I had a really... I had a, I could understand why you were so obsessed with researching sleep. I had a lot of fun looking up this kind of stuff. It's really interesting. It's fascinating. It well, is. the brain is fascinating. It is. Anything and, with the brain. And sleep is required for that brain to function at capacity. Right. Yeah. So, back to infants. We talked about um, zero to three months, and then that three to six months is like the ideal time to establish a good bedtime routine. That's also the time frame that naps become like really crappy. <laughs> And that's that's normal. Like, remember the babies were taking, like, three solid two-hour naps until they were, like, three months old. And then it's, like, they would only sleep for 40 minutes. Yeah, that like, was on the It was almost on the dot. Yeah. Like, you could, or 37 was bare sleep cycle. Like, they would sleep for one sleep cycle and then wake up. And you just kind of have to get through that. Like, they're just going to take five short naps a day. Yeah, that's... It's a crappy time. It really is, especially with twins because they would alternate. Like, like they would eventually get off schedule and I'd have a baby. Yeah, I think the Lord it didn't last forever. No, no. So that kind of around six months they start to uh, link up their sleep cycles and take longer naps, at least for the first nap, maybe two naps of the day. So, so that around six months, like their wake times get a little bit longer, like the time they're comfortably awake. And their naps get a little bit longer to where they're on basically two naps a day that you can probably set by the clock. And is there like a, what What was the time? It wasn't like two, three, four or something like that. Exactly. So the, the wake times when they're on two naps, I think is ideally, they wake up for the day, they're awake for two hours, and then they go down for their first nap. So like if they wake up at 7.30, they go down at 9.30. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then they're awake. 
after that nap, they're awake for three hours mm -hmm. and then take another nap. Yeah. And then they're awake for four hours before, before bed. bedtime. Yeah, so it's like the two, three, four rule. Exactly. That kind of estimates a lot of sleep. So the sleep averages that you gave earlier, I think, are a little high. Um, like, oh, like hours total? Yeah, the number of hours that they need total in a day. So if you put a baby on a two, three, four schedule where they're awake for two hours, then three hours, then four hours between naps, mm -hmm. that assumes, let's see, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, that assumes that they're going to sleep 15 hours a day. At what age? Three to 12 months? Yes. Yeah. When? That's high. Well, yeah. Because that would be a 12-hour night. Plus sleep, sleep needs are nine and a half to 14 hours. At that point. Exactly. So if you have a lower sleep needs baby, a two, three, four schedule isn't going to work for you. No. Not and that close. was Bear. He yeah. was like on a three, three, four and a half or something. Yeah. And that shows how neurotic I, I, I don't, was. I don't know if we ever even really got it right. I don't know that we did either. I blame Bear. Yeah. He was he was very interesting. <laughs> I can't wait till he's old enough to understand. He was like overtired <laughs> all the time, but like would not sleep. <laughs> it was so frustrating. Uh, but he would sleep if he was held, but then we're like, we can't create these habits. Yeah. Well, I'm sure he just had FOMO like his mother. Oh, probably. Fear of missing Come, out. Comes by it, honestly. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the that's kind of the sweet spot is when you hit the time frame where they take two naps a day, a morning nap and an afternoon nap, and you can predict your day around it. You know, if they take a solid morning nap, then your afternoon nap can be on the go, so to speak, like in a stroller or whatever. It's just a little bit more flexible the older they get. Mm -hmm. And then sometime around 12 months, all the way up to like 18 months, they'll transition from two naps a day to one afternoon nap, which is where our babies are. They transitioned, I think, earlier than what's average. But like maybe around 13 months, they we switched them to one nap and they've done beautifully. Yeah, they transitioned well. Yes, they have. Uh, and then they're they're on one nap until they're anywhere from like two and a half to five years old, which is a huge range. <laughs> Bear will be two and a half. Lindell will be five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's napping in a nutshell with babies. Yeah. And then probably one last thing that um, it's it's helpful, I guess, for me when I realize this is your baby is going to have a, like a natural morning wake up time, which is. It's like due to their circadian rhythm that they develop, and it's somewhat manipulable. Manipulatable. Man you can kind of manipulate it. <laughs> Sometimes. Way to work it out. Thanks. <laughs> so Bears was like 5.30. Yeah, it was early. I was somehow successful in shifting it back. I don't know if I had anything to do with no, it. No, if or it was just him. If it was just him working it yeah, out himself. Who knows? Who knows? But Let's say it's it's a normal baby wake-up time. Like 6.30 is really common. Between 6 and 6.30 is like when babies naturally want to wake up. Your bedtime that you want to shoot for is somewhere between 10 to 12 hours prior to that, depending on like whether your baby is low or high sleep needs. So for Bear, low sleep needs, he is about a 10-hour night. If we want to wake up at 6.30 in the morning, we want to put him to bed at 8.30 at night. Does that make sense? Yeah, 10 hours. Yeah, so you just backtrack. Um, and just if you want to try to shift that, then you can try to, by like 15 minutes a day, move his bedtime later, see if that yields a later wake up in the morning. But that's all pretty hard to do because that's kind of ingrained in their, their circadian rhythm. Yeah, I feel like we were pretty all over the place with this, don't you? 
Uh, not really. I feel like it was a pretty smooth transition from topic to topic. Okay. It all talked about sleep. It definitely all talked about sleep. And you know what's funny is like each individual thing we talked about could be its own podcast. Yeah, totally. I would love to get Alexis, the author, uh, Precious Little Sleep mm-hmm. on our podcast. Totally. So maybe we'll get her someday. Yeah, and she has her own podcast. It's called Precious Little Sleep. If you're in the trenches of uh, learning your baby's sleep, it's invaluable. Is that the right word? Yeah. yeah I don't you, like the word in- Any amount of money you would pay. Oh, that's what that... Okay. I don't like the word invaluable because it makes it sound like it's not valuable. That's, yeah, that's true. You know, but invaluable meaning like you couldn't put a value on it. Right. I see. Like a family heirloom. Oh, I'm so glad that got straightened up for me because I just. (laughs) So yeah, Precious Little Sleep Podcast is invaluable. Um, Go check it out. Say that Brad and Rach sent you. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And read, actually, yeah, download the book, read the book, join their Facebook group and ask questions there. Yes, that's a, I've asked so many questions, but they're on not gonna—they're not gonna let you join the Facebook group unless you've read the book. That's very true. They, like legit, ask you questions straight from the book. Exactly. So, read the book. Yes, for sure, it's worth it if you're if you're struggling with sleep and your baby, it's worth it. All right. Well, have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening. Please leave a review if you're so inclined. Tell your friends about us. Yeah, and if you have any topics that you want us to hit, just let us know, um, either by email or on our YouTube page, or um, are there comments? No. Okay. You you can email us. Yeah, and we'll that, have that information. Yeah, that's in the description below. Perfect. All right, we'll talk to you later. Bye.